Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stayskull. He is Paul Tenorio. This week we have we have two presenting sponsors this week, Paul. Sunny D, the drink formerly known as Sunny Delight, and that weird green ketchup that Heinz used to make. Your thoughts? Whenever I think of Sunny D, I think of Chappelle's show, where he pushes the Sunny D to the side for that purple stuff, purple drink. <laughs> oh, man. In the back. Uh, I've always really liked Sunny D, but I always thought it gave like like a really weird like coating in your mouth. Like it's sort of like it's, you know what I'm saying. Of course it did. No one knows what's in Sunny D. Uh, the sun. Something <laughs> something not good for you, Sam. And, and and that green ketchup. Do you remember that? That stuff was weird. I did a little research on that. That was released um, in conjunction with the movie Shrek. So, the more you know. Never say this show didn't teach you anything. <laughs> I'm really glad that uh, in between reading roster rules and talking about MLS transactions that you've taken the time to really dive into the history of the green ketchup. Listen, man, you know, like preparation is key. Um, anyway, no one will have cared about this portion of the show. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, we have a decent amount to talk about tonight uh miami things are happening in miami things are always happening in miami um on every level but especially with the mls team so we will talk about their dp crisis i think it's fair to say and the ongoing matuidi investigation uh we're going to talk about some market inefficiencies in mls and areas that teams can exploit to kind of get better uh efficiently uh and we'll talk about moves in the galaxy moves by the galaxy moves by atlanta some CCL. I'm sure we'll hit on a few other things, but that's kind of the rundown. Let's start with Miami, Paul. Uh, Chris Henderson, Inter Miami's new sporting director who arrived this winter from the Seattle Sounders. He gave a press conference on Tuesday afternoon in which he announced to the world that Miami has four designated players on their roster. And this was I've, I've been struggling to find the right word for it. I don't know if surprise is the right word. It was a revelation I think is fair to say. Um, the four DPs are, of course, Rodolfo Pizarro, Gonzalo Higuain. We knew that. Matias Pellegrini. We also knew that. Uh, and Blaise Matuidi, who we sort of knew, but didn't really officially know. Uh, none of those DPs are able to come down off of DP status. They cannot be bought down with Tam. And Pellegrini is not eligible for the under-22 initiative, which has still not been announced as far as we know. Um, anyway, he's not eligible for that. So they are left between a rock and a hard place. They have to get rid of one of these guys and they have to do it by next Friday, the day that the season opens, which happens to be the roster compliance deadline. Of course, there's also another element to this, which is the investigation into Inter Miami's Blaise Matuidi signing from last year. He was signed as a TAM player. He is obviously no longer a TAM player. He is a designated player now. We do not yet have an explanation as to how that change occurred, if that was how the contract was written and he was due a raise and he was just going to be a DP, or if maybe there was some communication from MLS to Miami that, hey, he's counting as a DP and we'll let you know what the what the punishment is when the investigation's fully done. Um, so we don't have an explanation there, uh, but we do know that they, they need to make a move. Um, Paul, your thoughts on all of this? This is reminiscent of, of the Galaxy situation we saw a couple of years ago. 
Yeah, you know, Galaxy fans are still bitter at me for writing the column about what happened with Gio Dos Santos. And you fact, were nasty in that column, Yeah, Paul. I mean, somebody wrote me on You're Twitter so this week and was like, I'm waiting for your, like, whatever, angry column at Inter-Miami. They were tagging me in those. And they were like, like, tell your boy Paul to write a nasty column about Miami. And I was like, you know what? I will. Paul, yeah. write a nasty column. I, I didn't need to because you wrote the column, man. And, and like, here's yeah. the thing. It, the column that I wrote during the Gio Dos Santos saga – was written because MLS at the time, along with the Galaxy, were trying to figure out a way that they could manipulate the situation to get Gio Dos Santos or someone to not count as a DP. And no matter who you talk to around the league, it was clear that that was impossible. So if, you know, despite all the efforts and the conversations that were happening in the player department office that night or that week, really, you know, the whole point of the column was if this is done, it's being done illegally. It's being done by changing the rule. And in this case, that didn't need to be written about this situation because MLS has handled it completely differently. In this case, they came out and they are the ones who said we are investigating Miami. And right away, you know, to your point, Chris Henderson said we have four DPs and it's a situation that needs to get rectified by the roster deadline. And so unlike the LA Galaxy situation, it's pretty clear that everyone knows some kind of solution has to happen that gets one of those four DPs off of Miami's roster by the start of the season. That's progress, right? That That's important. And I think, you know, that was why the Gio Dos Santos situation mattered because the Galaxy had to buy him out, eat all that cash. And so there's no reason why Miami can't be forced or shouldn't be forced to do exactly the same thing if that's what it comes down to. And it might very well come down to that, but you make a good point. MLS was sort of staring at the precipice back in 2019 and it's, are we going to go over the edge and just like blatantly not follow our own rules or are we going to enforce them? They ended up enforcing them. And this time around, there doesn't appear to be the uh, existential crisis that we saw in 2019 it seems to be way more straightforward in terms of a potential solution, Paul, um, from what I've heard, um, and Jeff Reuter and I have a story that will be out probably by the time people are listening to this podcast on Friday. Um, the, the club Miami have inquired and sort of made calls around the league and, and asked around if anyone's interested in trading for Matias Pellegrini. And from everything I've heard, he's probably the most likely candidate to go. Obviously, Pizarro is not going to be bought out or anything like that. Far too valuable, far too productive to just let walk. Um, transfer windows are mostly closed around the world right now, which really precludes a transfer or a loan for any of these guys. Iwain, I don't think there's much desire to, to buy him out. I assume he's on a pretty big contract. And Matuidi, sort of the same thing, um, even though I think that one might be the one that makes the most sense from an actual roster perspective, I don't think there's an appetite there from ownership to buy him out and take probably a substantial PR hit internationally that would come with that for a club that has kind of dealt with its more than its fair share of bad press over its lifetime of existence. So I think it'll be Pellegrini. It just sort of remains to be seen how, if it's a buyout or if it's a trade or maybe if it's waivers. I do think there could be some value in a trade. He's going to count as a DP, from what I've been told, he's got a four-year, he's got four years guaranteed on his deal. But his salary doesn't seem to be super, super high. So if you're an MLS team, he wasn't great last year, but he's 21. He was bought for 
somewhere between six and nine million dollars, according to a story you wrote. I think Paul McDonough, the former sporting director, told you that a year or so ago now, maybe two years ago now. Um, so there's some value there. And it could be a chance for a team that doesn't really spend on transfer fees to nab a DP that could that could pay off for them down the road. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, well, first of all, we should clarify through your reporting, you've learned that even though the transfer fee will have been paid by Miami, the cap hit of that transfer fee, the acquisition cost carries over to the new team, which is why Pellegrini would be forced to still remain a DP, right? It's the, right. The team would only have to pay the salary, so that's nice. But for that reason, they, they can't say, oh, well, his salary is under TAM levels, so we're just going to buy him down. No, you know, that, that acquisition cost still is going to matter. Um, and I, I think what this shows to me is somewhat of a similar idea to what I was saying last year. I don't even remember if I said this publicly or just when we were talking, Sam, but I thought Jesus Medina was available in the expansion draft. Was that just a year ago? It was just a year ago. Uh, well, a little over a year ago now, I guess, I November, guess December of 2019 yeah. or 2019. Yeah. yeah um, and, you know, I thought it was interesting because he had been purchased for $4 million. He didn't have a high salary. And I thought he was a great candidate for someone to buy low or to take for free in the expansion draft and try to flip him, try to flip him in a sale um, for anything, anything, because you didn't, he didn't cost you anything. Um, but there was legitimate fear there that the market was so low on Medina after you know a struggling you know struggling with NYCFC. He, he didn't he didn't play much. He didn't play for, much. That that there wouldn't be a market for him even in Mexico or anywhere else, right? Because it's, finding a buyer is complicated. It's not just about the transfer fee. The player has to agree to a new contract, and so the salary of the new team has to be competitive. There's a with ton what of timing making, involved. All yeah. sorts of stuff. And so that that's going to be a similar case with Pellegrini, right? I do think that there are some teams that make sense as flyers who say, hey, maybe if we take this guy, we play him, he does okay, we can flip him in the summer or next January for a million bucks, two million bucks, and all it costs us is one year of salary. Um, and that could, that could be good business. But the kid's on a four-year contract making pretty good money might be hard to find buyers internationally. So that leaves us with what are the teams that this would make sense for? And I do think, I just think like if you're a team that doesn't have a lot of ownership cash, if you're a mm -hmm. team that's not going to spend on transfer fees, yes, I think it's worth it to take a younger player from Argentina who cost somewhere between that six and $9 million. And <laughs> it's quite a range, it's quite a range. It's ridiculous. Um, I should have, I should have gotten something more specific than that. Um, <laughs> And and all you're paying is the salary. I think it's a great deal for those types of teams, for you know the Colorados, the DC United, uh, San Jose type of teams that don't have that ownership cash behind them. The risk, and you mentioned it, is that you're not able to sell, and he struggles again, and he doesn't progress on the field, and you're left holding the bag on a DP that isn't productive, and you can't move. And that's not something that anybody wants. So that's that's the real risk involved here. But if you believe in the player, right, and you think, okay, this kid's going to be good in MLS, and like I don't care if I'm using a DP spot on him because I believe in, in his ability, and even if I can't sell him, I think he'll be productive for my team, then it could be really interesting. 
Uh, did you mention Did you mention San Jose? I did. You did. Yep. All right, that one sticks out as super interesting to me. Matias Almeida, obviously, have the Argentine connection there. Uh, they have Cristiano Espinosa on one of the wings. He's done really good things for them. Um, but putting Pellegrini on the opposite flank, on the left, I think that that could be interesting. And maybe maybe Almeida lock, unlocks something in him. Um, you know, those players seem to really buy into what's going on out there, a lot of them. Or maybe they get moved out if they don't. Um, so I, I think that one would be interesting. One that I don't think you mentioned was New York Red Bulls. And that one is interesting to me, too. They currently have one and a half DPs, I think I'll call it. Uh, Drew Yearwood is one, and Kaku is sort of one. <laughs> uh, he is a DP. He's technically on the roster because they won the arbitration case with the Saudi club, but I don't know. I don't know about you, Paul. I don't really expect him to be back this season. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be surprised. <laughs> um, so they have a DP spot or two available. Um, they could use some attacking help. There's talk about maybe a formation change to, to more of a diamond setup there, which would sort of preclude adding a winger. Um, but, you know, that's a guy that could fit in a pressing system. Um, and Red Bull certainly has the network and the connections to be able to, ch- to more easily facilitate a transfer than most of the other clubs in MLS. Yeah, I think it comes down to essentially what the data looks like on Pellegrini. If there's any sort of indication that he would fit the Red Bull system, that's how they dictate the types of players that they recruit. If if they see your stats and your data matching up with the data that they have on their player profile or position profile, then you are a green light. If they don't, then you're not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, again, it makes sense when you talk about that type of team too. I mean, they haven't, Red Bull hasn't really been willing to spend big money on transfer fees for New York. And, and again, I mean, it's not an insignificant, let's even say it's the low end of that range of six to 9 million, like, you know, $6 million for most MLS teams would be the most they've ever spent on a player. Yeah. And including the Red Bulls. I think Kaku was six and a half. I'm pretty right. sure if I'm remembering correctly. And that's the biggest one they've had. So I, I think that, you know, I think there's, the again it makes sense on some levels but to your point yes there is risk it doesn't come without risk i just think that if you are no signing comes without risk and i think that if you are a low budget team that this is a move that it might be worth the risk it might be worth it to say okay we'll trade you a third round draft pick to take <laughs> this problem off your hands um now they might these teams might say, no, we're going to make you buy this player out. The player then goes through waivers. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah. You can put in a bid and say, hey, we're willing to pick up X percentage of the salary. And then you have a player on your hands that, you know, I we'd have to double check with the league. If you're only picking up 90000 of the salary or whatever it may be. But I, I believe that in the case of Gio Dos Santos, the league essentially said if this DP gets bought out, if this player gets bought out, they are not available on waivers. They are not available on waivers. And I wonder if a similar message will be sent out to teams that if an owner is going to buy out a player for several million dollars, that that player won't be available on waivers. I don't think wasn't, it would reach that level because Yura Mavzissian I was going to say, it wasn't Yura on, was on waivers. Up yeah. by Chicago. So, it's something I think we might need to dig a little bit on exactly what the budget charge would be with waivers, but 
that's probably what a lot of MLS GMs are thinking. We can just sit and wait for him to hit waivers and put in a claim on, say, hey, we'll pay 300K in salary, you know? Yeah, to, to your point, though, you know, I don't think the return in a trade would be very high for Miami. It would be pretty minimal. Um, I do think Miami would fight pretty hard for some sort of sell-on percentage, right? And, and like, they won't even care, I would imagine. If they can get 10% sell-on, it's like, yeah, give us a third round pick. We'll just take the 10% sell on and protect ourselves. And that's obviously preferable to them than, than to simply buying them out and getting nothing in return. Um, I'm curious, though, what do, you, what do you think ends up happening with this situation? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you have no idea, right? No, I mean, my <laughs> gut says, like, no MLS GM. MLS is not a league of risk takers. Like, real, you know, like, if, if a GM can avoid a move that gets, like, pinned on them as, like, whoa, this this is a high-risk move, they're out. They're out on it for the most part. I don't part. know if that's how I would characterize it. I, I think I you're d- being a little unfair. I don't think so, man. I don't think I, – I don't – I think it's more likely the kid gets bought out or goes through waivers than the kid gets traded. I agree with that. I just think, you know, to say, hey, it's a low risk. I think the resources are just so finite that that breeds a certain level of caution. And I think that's understandable. And I think it's actually kind of prudent to be that way in that position. Um, you have to take swings here and there, right? And sometimes you'll you'll swing and miss. And if you swing and miss on a big one or a big one or two, you might be out of a job. So I get it. Um, but it is interesting. I but, do want to... How, how is this... Like, to me, it's like... Yes, I get that there is risk involved here, but if you're telling your owner, Paul, what if he's bad? What if he doesn't improve off last year, and then you have a DP for four years that isn't any good? That's the that's a bad move. What's the that's buyout? A really bad scenario at that point. If you go through a year or two years with this kid, you're talking about now one year of a buyout, at, or or potentially three looking, years looking to transfer. No, because. Buyouts aren't going to be there. It's always a negotiation, and and also I think again, but why, why like would he accept a buy? Why would he accept a buyout with three years left on his deal for less than three years no, worth? I of don't money. think you you don't pull the trigger on buying someone out after one bad year. Like I, right. I don't think that's even on the table. So then, so then you've wasted a DP spot for two years. Then that's wasted a DP spot. I, I'm talking about teams that don't use their DP spots. I'm not talking about Toronto or. Seattle. I'm talking about, you know, Colorado. There's an opportunity. You want to talk about wasting a DP spot? I'm sorry for a U.S. soccer legend, but Tim Howard was a DP for how many years for Colorado? Hey, man, he got them a jersey front sponsorship. That's not a waste. They want to. They almost want a supporters shield. Tim Howard, thank you very much. Let it not be forgotten. Axel Schuberg, best eleven that year, 2016. Not so long ago, Paul. But, um, I mean, I don't know, man, like it's, there's risk involved there. Like, even if you're not going to use that DP spot, otherwise there's still risk involved. It's, it's money that you can't spend elsewhere on the roster. It's a player that you can't sign elsewhere on the roster. Even if it's not a DP, there's an opportunity cost. I'm not saying there's no risk. I'm just saying I, again, I believe that the risk is enough that no MLS GM will do it. Yeah. I mean, I think if he gets bought out, maybe somebody signs him. I could see that happening because then there's pretty much there's pretty much no risk to that. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really important for Miami and what they do going forward. They've had a lot of change down there this offseason in terms of players, in terms of staff, new coach, new sporting director. I also want to note, stinks for the kid, man, right? Yeah. Like, 
Like you, you're 21 years old. You you get this big transfer fee. You get this big contract. You move your life to Miami. No, thank you for bringing this up. You yeah. get there. You the world shuts down. You're by yourself in Miami, presumably. Maybe you've got a, a significant other with you, but you're not connected to people. You go through a hell of a year. COVID impacts your team. You're in a you're in a hotel in Orlando for however many days they were there. They weren't there very long. <laughs> you 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 go through this this crazy year. People are 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 trashing you for not living up to expectations. All of these things, and and you're probably thinking in your head the whole time, you know, I I just got to settle in. I'm going to adjust. I've got Iguain as yeah. a teammate now. Just want a normal year. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna focus in on my career, and I'm gonna really show myself in year two. And now, from something totally out of your control, something that shouldn't have happened, that was against the rules, you're going to either have to go back to Argentina or somewhere in South America with your tail tucked between your legs. Yes, a few million dollars richer for a lot less time, but still. Or you're going to end up at some other MLS team that you had no intention to play for, that's certainly not Miami, that realistically is probably... I would say potentially you, if you end up on the wrong MLS team, you could put yourself right in the same problem that you had early in Miami where you're going to be asked to be the guy right off the bat. I just feel it's tough, man. It's it's. I feel for the kid. No, it's a brutal situation, and you're right that it shouldn't have happened. And, and that's where we can go next with this Matuidi investigation, right? Because if they carried an illegal DP for – and Matuidi wasn't the fourth DP, right? He was signed before Iguain, and he was signed to a TAM deal, which pervert, preserved the third DP spot so they could go get Iguain, however many weeks later. But if he was, in fact, a DP at that time, and they somehow hid that, and that's what MLS is looking into, there's going to be a punishment there. That should not have happened. Miami should not have done that. And the league probably should have caught it in advance. Maybe that's being a little harsh on that last point because if you make some illegal payments under the table, it's not like the league has eyes everywhere, right? They're looking at the contracts that are official, but if there are unofficial ones, then then maybe they don't know about it. Uh, but this shouldn't have happened, and it's frankly a little ridiculous. Like, And if they did carry 40 piece illegally and knowingly, then they deserve a big punishment, man, like a big-time punishment. And it can't just be a fine Right, it should probably be a sporting punishment, and whether that's a points deduction, whether that's you know losing gam for 2022, it needs to be harsh because if it's just a fine, then it's just like okay, it's just a cost of doing business. Right. What's what's the reaction if they get fined? They were willing to spend three million off the books, yeah. you know, or whatever it was off the books, any money off the books. Allegedly, allegedly, right? <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> You know, got to cover yourself here. Okay, we'll pay another million bucks in fines. Like, no, like, and, and that's going to be the reaction of the teams around the league. They're all watching. They're all watching to see what yeah. the cost is here. No, if, you, if you're Atlanta or Toronto or the LA clubs or whoever, and you see just a fine, and you're an owner that really wants to push the envelope, you're like, okay, GM, go sign a fourth DP, fudge it. I'll pay the fine. Don't worry about it. Here's another thing for me who's responsible? Right. Like if you're investigating this and you're going to hold the club responsible, an individual, I would imagine, has to be responsible, too. There there are layers to this. Well, I mean, who was there? Right. It's ownership. So the Moss brothers, 
Marcelo Clare, David Beckham, and it's the people who were who were in charge, Paul McDonough. You know, I know there have been reports out there that say that he is not being investigated. I found that a little bit strange because that those reports came out hours after MLS announced it was investigating this. And it's like, all right, well, how does that work? Because if the league is just beginning its investigation, like it says it is, then how would they have ruled anyone out already? A, if the league has already started its investigation, then why are they saying, why are we just hearing about it? Um, if they have like a potential outcome in mind. Anyway, that, that raised my antenna. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if individuals get punished, if it's just a club thing. Um, but I think the biggest loser here is probably Pellegrini and that sucks. Yeah. I think that about sums it up there. (laughs) So I don't know. We'll see how the investigation shakes out. Maybe MLS might not find any wrongdoing. Who knows? That seems kind of unlikely at this point, um, but that's just my speculation. I think opinion. Chris Henderson saying out loud that we have four DPs probably indicates that they're not going to be cleared of wrongdoing. <laughs> well, we'll see if we'll see if there's any commensurate punishment. How about that? Um, so we talked about Pellegrini, and this is a way. Like, if this works, right? Miami thought they were buying a kid who was going to be a legitimate player, right? And, and that player is still probably somewhere in there. That potential is somewhere in there. He's only 21. So if a team were to acquire him in MLS, this could be an amazing, low-cost, high-ceiling move. And it, it would be like kind of maximizing a market inefficiency, right? Like a team cheated and had to dump a player <laughs> and you picked him up, right? Then... Like that, it doesn't get any better than that. But we were talking a little bit before the show about other market inefficiencies that teams can try and exploit. And I know you had some some thoughts on that. So let, let us have it. Yeah. I mean, well, when, when you and I were talking about Pellegrini and talking about how it was a market inefficiency, I started thinking about, you know, other angles to that. And I had just been in a Twitter conversation with Matt Doyle um, and others about, you know, right back depth for the club. Are you and Matt friends again? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I just wanted to check. Why are you giving me that look? Why? Paul's giving me. I'm trying. If to, looks could kill, I'm, I'd be dead right now. I'm trying to just talk here. I'm just trying to talk, <laughs> and you keep interrupting me. Have I continued? Have I done that a lot tonight? I don't know. Probably. Uh, I, so allocation disorder is just all one episode in my mind. Like we've never started conversation since you joined. The this episode. conversation actually goes on 24 hours a day. So often. Um, there was a moment where I felt like we had so much time left in the day and you called me about something earlier and then you said, all right, I'll talk to you in three hours. And I realized how soon we were to having to record this episode. And I was like, oh my God, where, yeah. where does time go? Um, we anyway, yeah, it's not good. We, we really talked to each other way too much. Um, back to what I was talking about before. We were talking about the potential of a of depth player for Columbus, and 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 for me, the the answer comes in another market inefficiency, or at least an area where I think some teams don't do enough work um, in scouting, in um, in shopping, and that's simply MLS. That's that's underutilized, undervalued players in this league, the kind of middle range, three hundred and fifty k or less player who is behind a bigger money signing or who has 
fallen out of favor after a coaching change or who really just isn't valued the way they should be at their club because he doesn't fit that style or he doesn't fit that coach. It happens all the time, all around the world. And there are some teams that I think have done that do a really good job at it. There are some people who I think have made careers at identifying those players. Bruce Arena probably being the best example of somebody who can spot value in Major League Soccer and take advantage of it and build his his roster depth on it. And you know, we we a couple names came up on Twitter that I thought were really good ideas. Um, Kyle Duncan at Red Bulls being probably the best one. Somebody brought up Brandon By. At New England, if, if Tejon plays at that right back spot, maybe there's a deal to be had there. They have some depth. Matt Polster can play right back in a pinch. Um, I I brought up the guy I always bring up when people talk about right backs and undervalued players in MLS, and that's Chris Odoi-Achsum, who I've I known. remember at a combine sitting next to you, and this would have been, what, like 17, 18? I think this was the one in L.A., which I think was 17. And you were, like, geeking out over Chris Adoyach at a combine. And you know what made it worse? I mean, first of all, I've known him since, full transparency here, I've known him since he was in high school at DeMatha. I was covering high school soccer in the D.C. area. Way back in the day, Chris was a player, a very good player at DeMatha, an all-met player at DeMatha. Ended up going to Maryland, which, by the way, has produced a lot of really good Major League Soccer players, Sasha Swarovski. Um, and then Chris get, goes to DC United Signs, and in his first MLS start, who is he lined up against? Maybe not, might not have been his first start. I, I think it was Chicago Fire and David Akam. And who was standing on the sideline reporting on that game? This guy. And he. You? Yeah. He was incredible wow. in that game. He did so well against David Akam. And this is. This is the David Akam who was, was an MVP good, candidate Akam. that yeah. season. And Chris Adoyacham was on the road in his first start against a very good player, against a very good team that year. And he was great. He was fantastic. He shut him down. He showed great pace. And every time he's played, I've seen flashes of that player. Again, just an example of a player who, you know, is not in, you know, He's not a player that DC United has to hold on to. I do think Dave Casper has identified him as a really good depth option at a really good price. And so it's not like you... I, I know some teams that have inquired about him for a trade, and, and they're not going to let him go, a player like that, go for a third-round pick because if you value that level of depth, you understand the importance. Another player that... Another guy who I think is really good at this is Garth Lagerway. And, and the example I always bring up to how Garth finds these types of players is... He just brings former Sounders back. <laughs> or, or like Harry Ship. You know, yeah. Harry Ship got traded away by Chicago Fire to Montreal. And, and they got Will, money back Will for Bruin, that. Will Bruin, another one. And and when Will, when uh, Harry Ship was available, Garth jumped on that. Harry was making, like, really affordable money there. It, it was not a lot of money. And and he recognized the value of a good MLS player, a good MLS player who can start some games, come in off the bench, and doesn't do anything to hurt your cap. Buys you cap space with their low salary number. To me, that's the most underappreciated part of this league. And I think you see it all the time where teams go too heavy on really low number of players or supplemental reserve roster guys and our top 
heavy, right? Their their cap is pushed to the limit by the upper half. And what happens is over the course of the season, the depth gets whittled down and they don't have those value guys on the roster. Toronto is kind of a good example of that, probably. Not so much this year necessarily, but like 2018 Toronto would be a good example of a team that was pretty top heavy, didn't have a ton of depth, had some injuries, had a really busy schedule over the course of two years and guys wore down and they couldn't they couldn't do it it was the best team ever in 2017 and they missed the playoffs the following season another one of my favorites on that toronto roster who i couldn't believe that no mls team signed when he when he got knocked down to usl subasa endo and then he comes back up yeah to the first team started an mls cup in yeah. 2019 i'm pretty sure richie larea Another guy, depth on an MLS roster, gets cut, brought in on trial by Toronto and, and converted to a different position. You know, that's the peak of, of finding value in MLS. Yeah. I do wonder, Paul, and I, 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 I think I buy what you're saying. I want to buy what you're saying. But I do wonder if uh, every team does this. And we only think about it in the success stories. <laughs> and we only think about it on when, when it's the good teams. We only have the examples of the good ones. I'm, I'm wondering if there's some confirmation yeah, bias. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's no doubt there's that. I also think that some MLS teams do that. And because of that, like Chris Adoy asked them, because of that, we don't see the players move, right? Right. Because they say, okay, we have this guy. We trust him. And, and, and you actually see those guys move a little bit more towards the later ends of their career where the back hat, like Marlon Hairston's a good example of that. Ja'Cory Hayes, who, you know, for several years provide really good depth in Dallas or Colorado or wherever they are. And then, you know, maybe become a little bit easier to trade a few years later. And so there are, I mean, I'm not trying to say that no MLS teams do this or even that most MLS teams don't do it. Like I do think, that it's a big part of what's building the league. But I think when you're talking about roster building, if a new GM's coming in or you've got to overhaul a roster, I think it's a really good place to start because it takes time to identify the right DPs and TAM players. You can't miss on those because they're so so limited, those spots, and um, it's very difficult to get those right. I was talking to a GM the other day about this, um, about just kind of how to value DP signings. And like it gets played down sometimes, you know, and like it's such an important part of success, nailing those signings. So like I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm screaming. It's like, it's like everything. I'm screaming about Subasa Endo, and it like doesn't matter if you don't. Yeah, get the no, DP that's what I'm saying. So is I'm, like the Subasa Endo on FC Cincinnati. No one talks about because right. you know, like you talk about them when they're on the good team, and it's like ah, oh, another another diamond in the rough found by the Supporter Shield winner, right? But like I, I don't know. I have a nagging feeling that there are probably examples of that on most teams in the league. But but so. I think you can look at the low budget rosters too that do well and you start to see that those who those players are right how you i how how they kind of work on on kind of the non big money dp teams and how they they make up a bigger portion of those teams and and when it's done right they can still be competitive mm-hmm. obviously the best example of this is when you have really productive homegrown players right like right, that's the right. greatest market inefficiency in any league um, 
But all I'm saying is I just feel like it could be done more and better. And, and no, part I, of this, I think, Sam, no, sorry. I think to your point, no, I think to your point, like scouting MLS better and trying to take advantage of the intra MLS market. I think there's a hole there. But part of it is it's hard to make trades. But that I was just two. about to say, Sam, I mean, you and I, this kind of falls into this other argument that we've made for a long time, which is the trade market in MLS stinks, man. Like people are too uptight. We need more three way trades. More need, three ways. We need more trades, but definitely more three ways. <laughs> Sam, I'll let you go there. I, yeah, I bet you will. Um, <laughs> we've been talking about I'm Chris Adoyatsa and Subasa Endo for like 15 minutes, and we have not mentioned two legitimately big moves that were confirmed earlier on Thursday. First, we'll, we'll start with the LA Galaxy. Uh, they signed... French winger Kevin Cabral to a five-year designated player contract from, and this is the part, the fun part of the show, the Sam tries to pronounce French part of the show, from Ligue de Club Valenciennes. I have no idea if that's correct at all, but I went for it, just like FC Cincinnati. No idea if it's correct, but we're going for it. <laughs> um, they signed Kevin Cabral to a Five-year DP deal with a club option for a sixth year. Uh, reported transfer fee, $5.9 million. Uh, he's 21. Um, I don't know much about him. It's going to be an interesting move. It doesn't sound like he's going to be eligible for the U22 initiative. Um, excuse me. What did I just do? It doesn't sound like he's going to be eligible for young money. Uh, so that will give the Galaxy three designated players with him, Chicharito, and Jonah Dos Santos, although importantly, because of his age, he is considered a young DP, which means the Galaxy will be able to sign up to three young money players. That makes sense to you? Good. Got it. It um, makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is why you and I feel the need ever, ever to call it the U22 initiative. Like, let's, I don't know, like, man. Like, I was writing about it today, and like I, I joke around with it. It was like one, one reference is young money, but like... You know, in an article, you sort of have to be official or whatever. And like, yeah, it was I guess head. besides writing it, but like, I've I've been mad at myself for bringing it up to people that I talk to, and and yeah, like feeling like I have to be official with it instead of just being like, "Come on, you know it's young money. I know it's young money. Let's just call it what it is." If Carlos I mean, Bocanegra can get up I was about at a to bring press this conference, I was talking to a GM earlier this week, and he asked me. We hadn't spoken in a while, and he asked me, he's like, hey, when Carlos called it Young Money, was that like a huge moment for you? Like, what was your reaction? I was like, of course that was a huge moment for me. It's like the crowning achievement of my life, my career. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget where I was when I saw that quote on Twitter. It was probably at my desk. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I sent it to you and was like, this is official. We've made it. <laughs> we did it. We did it. I think I said we did it. <laughs> yes, we can. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Any thoughts on this Galaxy signing? Obviously, they were going after Christian Pavone for a little more background. Um, he is uh, dealing with some very serious charges in Argentina. He's been accused of rape, I believe. Um, and the Galaxy backed off their pursuit after those charges were filed from what it seems, at least in, in terms of other people's reporting. Yeah, and I think also the price there was just not going to make sense. And in, in today's market, for for as good as Pavone was in MLS, um, you, you take that, you add in these these charges, and it just made no sense. Um, 
look, if you're the Galaxy, you need this to be a good signing. You need this to be a player who can get plenty of service into Chicharito in the box and good spaces. And and, yeah. and that's that's they needed this player. They needed this signing. So um, can I can I rant for a second? Yeah, yeah. I, I may have done this rant on a previous episode. I don't really know, but I just want to say the Galaxy. The flagship club of MLS over the first 20 years, 21 years, 20 years of the league. The last four seasons have been a disaster, complete disaster. Bruce Arena, Landon Donovan, Robbie Keane, that era ended. Since then, they have missed the playoffs three out of four years. They have basically squandered the insane output of Zlatan. Uh, They've cycled through three full-time head coaches. And from the outside... It sort of seems like their whole strategy to the extent that it existed was, oh, let's sign a big player and uh, it'll work itself out. And it's just, I don't know, I don't know what's gone gone on there, but it's just not good enough at all. And I'm, I'm really, really interested to see what Greg Vanny is able to do because he was a big part of building the culture and building kind of the internal structures in Toronto that helped that club become or transform from, to quote Danny Kuverman's, the worst team in the world, right, to one of the best teams we've seen in MLS history for a period of time there. And, and Vanny was a big part of that. He obviously knows the Galaxy's history. He was one of the original players back in 96. Uh, I'm curious to see what he does. I am, I'm actually a big believer that he's going to get that thing turned around along with Dennis Teclosa. I don't know if it's going to happen quite this year, but I, I actually think they'll, they'll kind of turn things around. But right now it's, it's God, it's, it's bleak, man. Like if you're an unattached soccer fan in Southern California and you're like, all right, I'm going to root for an MLS team. Why the hell would you choose the galaxy over LAFC? I don't think there's a single reason. You should write a column about this or a story. I'm trying. Maybe we'll get there one day. Um, so, yeah, there we go. I wanted to rant about the Galaxy. I haven't had a good rant on the show in a while. I feel like you're doing all the ranting. and I, I mean, which is weird because of the two of us, my personality is way more rant-driven than yours. The problem is by the time we get to recording the show on Thursday nights, you've ranted so many times over the course of the week <laughs> that you're you're out of rants. Until you, you're you're low on your rant take, and, and I'm I've still got like half a tank. I mean, the real like, let's just call it what it is, okay? I'm the one that's hosting the show, okay? I'm carrying the piano so that so that you can play it, okay, Paul? And I think I deserve a little more a little more thanks from you for that. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> no, Moving you don't get on. thanks if you carry my uh, piano. You just, whatever, you just work. You know, you're the roadie. This is going to become a problem in the locker room. Let me tell you. <laughs> you just are the the roadies. Don't get their names. Roadies. The wow. You're carrying a piano. That's man. what a roadie I does. Mean, I'm I'm still part of the show, man. Like I'm performing on stage. Like I'm just like maybe a background singer. You know, what, screw you're this. none of those things. You put I'm yourself none, in the I'm background. What things. are you talking about? I'm Mick Jagger. <laughs> How did you go? From the guy carrying the piano to Mick Jagger in 15 seconds. I don't know. That's Sam's Listen, baseball man. for you. We right got there. no breaks on the show. It's all gas. That's how. Um, speaking of all, all gas, Atlanta United made a big signing on Thursday as well. Alan Franco, center back from Argentina, signed as a designated player. Marcelino Moreno will become a TAM level player. 
I'm confused how he's a TAM player. Can you explain it to me? Yeah. Argentine, Argentinian teams tell their newspapers that they get humongous transfer fees when they don't really get those humongous transfer fees. MLS teams tell their reporters, especially Atlanta United, absolutely nothing. And so <laughs> everyone goes off of what the Argentinian teams talk about. And when they and and when we as reporters are able to get something, it's a six to nine million dollar range, <laughs> which doesn't really, which doesn't really narrow it down. So that's uh, why everyone has thought that he's a a player who can't be bought down when clearly he could be. The it's another example. It's is another, seven million dollars. It's another example, Sam, of why the lack of transparency in MLS regarding Gosh. budget budgets and budget charges and transfer so fees stupid. and salaries makes it impossible for us to talk with true knowledge about the teams unless we develop good enough relationships with the GMs that they'll tell us stuff even off the record so that we don't sound like fools and look like idiots when stuff like this happens and that we don't have to question whether or not MLS is changing its rules for a team to buy a player down. No, they can just say, hey, his budget charges this much money per year, and this is how much budget space each team has. Instead, we have to react to things like this and be completely confused, and it's ridiculous. I'm so sick of ta- of having this conversation, man. It's so dumb. Just make it transparent. Just make it transparent. People love to play armchair GM. That's what this whole damn show is about. I don't know if I don't know if people have noticed fantasy sports. They're kind of a big deal. Like people love playing armchair GM. Just let them. Just let them. It'd be better for the league. Like it's not that complicated. Like I'm so sick of this stupid conversation. Just open it up. It'll lead to better outcomes. It's not that hard. Anyway. So that's what happens. That's what happens on the center back. He should be pretty good. I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say anything bad about Atlanta United because what I did last episode was I just pumped up my boys Alavolense oh and I smacked God. down Atlanta United fans, and then La Liga couldn't score a goal no matter how many chances they had. It's not wasn't great finishing. And then it's I just and then I just had people in my Twitter mentions being like, "How's how's it going, Tenorio? Tough draw. Blah 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 blah." And I don't want to deal with that again this week. So I'm going to say this guy is going to be fantastic. Alan Franco, top center back in MLS, Atlanta United. The only threat, the only threat to the treble of the Portland Timbers, the 16-win treble, is Atlanta United. The tre- I forget about the treble, even though it was just a week ago that we talked about it. I was just saying that they, they don't need to win that many games, right? If you win Champions League... You win like four games in Open Cup, That's and right. then you win the, in the playoffs. You have won this was not worth asking about. I apologize to everyone. You're all dumber for having heard that. May great, God have great job, souls. Great, great job carrying the <laughs> piano, Sam, and letting me hey, play man. it. You know, sometimes you get tired. Pianos are heavy. I don't know if you know that. Pianos are heavy. Any thoughts on Rocco? By the way, I I don't even know what you're referring to right now. Atlanta's goalkeeper, Rocco. Oh, the 18 year old that 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 properly caught or pounded away smacked away of shots that were directly i cannot believe you're hating on this kid i'm not hating on him you're a disgrace he made every save of every shot that was directly at him by by the wonderful finishers that make up the roster at (laughs) my boyhood club my boyhood club (laughs) from a country far away from where i live 
Oh God! And can, um, can I, we can we add one more bit of MLS news in here that we we didn't talk about before the show, but that we should probably bring up? What and if I said no? That's Frankie Amaya. One more time for Frankie Amaya. Speaking of stories, I'm sick of talking about. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, sounds like some bids might be in. Will he get traded? Will he not get traded? We'll find out soon. I just wanted to throw that out there. Thank you, Paul. It was really good. I want to throw out some CCL scores. Uh, it was an incredible first round of matches for MLS. This is not something that we are used to in this competition. Uh, Portland, 2-2 draw at Marathon. Atlanta, the aforementioned 1-0 win over Alajuelense. Uh, they did that with 10 men for most of the game. Uh, Philadelphia beat Saprissa 1-0. Uh, Kai Wagner, Kai Wagner almost got murdered, um, on the field. It's, it's, and I just want to clarify something cause I put out a tweet that a lot of people got mad at, uh, two things can be true at once. Okay. That was an awful tackle and it should have been a red card and it was very dangerous. And I'm glad that Kai Wagner doesn't appear to be seriously injured. All right. That's out of the way. It was also hilarious that it was only a yellow card. <laughs> that's the most genuine Sam comment that's been had on this show today. That's that's I just want the listeners to know that is most reflective of my phone conversations, my regular phone I mean, conversations. Why can't those two things be true at once? They can be true at the same time. I'm not debating what you said. The manner in which you delivered it was the most genuine to your to you, to who I you mean, are. Like CONCACAF is crazy. Like that's part of the charm. And like that ref came running in there all authoritative and you're like all right he's given the red and he's like no i'm giving a yellow but i'm gonna give it with authority and it's just like what are you doing like how ridiculous is this crap like it's completely ridiculous it's funny i think you kind of have to see the humor in it or you're just gonna be mad and cry um so i choose to see the humor while acknowledging the severity and the awfulness of that tackle and expressing my gratefulness that Kai Wagner was not seriously injured because that thing was that thing was bad. Moving on, uh, Leon, Toronto, one one draw in Mexico. I think that's the best, maybe maybe the best result of of the entire uh, of the entire opening round. Although Columbus could lay claim to that as well with a four zero win down in Nicaragua. Um, so it's a really promising round for MLS, and they're really well positioned. All five participants to move on to the quarterfinals, which will be held the end of April and the beginning of May. And then you'll have like a nice like four month break before the semifinals in August and the final in October. CCL is weird. 2020, it continues as we are here in April of 2021. Uh, any any thoughts on, on CCL, Paul? Yeah, man. If we've learned anything over the years, it's that the early round results of CCL is what we'll remember the most. So... I mean, all right, you can be glib about it, but some people take this seriously, okay? And speaking seriously, like, we haven't really seen this, like, en masse from MLS in any round of this competition, really, ever. So, no, it's great. It's great. It, it, it makes sense. It fits the, the time. It fits the era. That the year in which there are multiple teams that didn't actually qualify for this tournament. <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, that don't really like you're gonna do this. No credit. Zero credit. Are winning games for anybody. If there's ever a year, 
I think I said this last week. If there's ever a year that an MLS team wins Champions League, let it be a team that didn't actually get in. Let it be a team that didn't actually qualify. Let it be a team that qualified by winning MLS's back. I I I said it last week. I am I am rooting, actively rooting. I don't root. I am rooting for Portland Timbers, MLS's back champions. Did I not say to go from? MLS is back to MLS has arrived. Portland Timbers, CONCACAF Champions League winners 2021. Yeah, that's you what did I'm, say. That's what I'm rooting for. I don't know why you're hating so hard. But I, does that not fit this era? I mean, no, it does fit the era. But can you give Toronto FC some credit, Paul? Can you take off your glasses and apologize? <laughs> I, give, I give Toronto so much credit all the okay. time. Thank you. I gave That's them all. credit earlier this show for for signing my my good friend Subasa. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to end. Oh, this show. Uh, I am going to tweet at Merritt Paulson when this episode comes out to let him know that you're rooting for his team in the Concacaf Champions League. If he doesn't already know it, I'll be disappointed because you know I'm pretty sure that there are people in Portland who are aware and who should make the rallying cry of this team from MLS's back to MLS has arrived and if that doesn't wow. become a thing that's a know, long hashtag but I'm it, into it 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 works when it works it works you know god that's why you play the piano paul and that's why this is why i carry it thank you so much for listening to allocation disorder we will be back next week with a full mls preview prediction extravaganza the day before it'll come out just the day of the season kickoff it'll be exciting uh until then thanks so much for listening i'm sam he's paul this has been allocation disorder